Making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. Welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This week in Gender Cells, we look at two commercials featuring smelly men. In this episode, we'll be talking about what it's like for one dad raising a gaming daughter. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game on Girl. So as we talked about in uh, our initial gender cells segment in our last episode, uh, we talked about how stereotypes are defined through our culture's media and commercials may be one of the most prominent criminal criminals. <laughs> Offenders. <laughs> Definitely a big offender in terms of how how stereotypes in general are portrayed, but perhaps most specifically with gender stereotypes. So today we're going to talk about um, two different commercials about um, featuring men and masculinity, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's our first one that we want to talk about? The first one, I can't remember whether I saw it first on, I'm pretty sure I saw it first on television, but I have been seeing it quite a bit in uh, streaming TV off and on. Mm-hmm. And it's a Renews It commercial and it features all these men. They're called the Renews It Scent Gents. Okay. So they have like a whole like category for these guys. Yes. You've got, you know, the, um, the, the scents are named like creme brulee and, um, I forget what the other yes some other things too and the 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 gents are dressed thematically to match the scent the color the atmosphere the environment and so on the website you and these aren't um these aren't like uh, perfumes renews it is a is a a home fragrance yes thing so so this is air freshener home air fresheners so this isn't like advertising cologne or something like that this is for you know, home, you know, fragrance. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify in case people know what Renews was. It's a good (laughs) clarification because it's those things that, you know, you used to, if you remember in the seventies, that was the cone and you opened it and twisted it and pulled it up and there's that wax thing inside. It just kind of melted over time. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Um, but the um, the commercial caught me off guard because the the stereotype of the gentleman in each of the scenes it, it felt for me and we'll we'll talk around this and try to figure out the the commercial just flabbergasted me I I'm I just I went out looking the other day to see if I could find the scent gents again on the renews it site and I had trouble finding it and I thought mm. oh my god thank goodness maybe they wised maybe they up took it, it off yeah no 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 no, no. Oh. they're still out there oh. Um, but it just, it was so horrifying watching this. Mm -hmm. So they bring up one guy who apparently is the lavender guy. He's wearing a purple silk shirt, a white suit, uh, just this swath of, of blonde hair. And he raises the scent up seductively and gives you a little smile. And then we've got the guy in the kitchen who's, uh, uh, burning a creme brulee and he's a brunette and there's all these warm, amber colors mm-hmm. and i'm just it was like what the hell <laughs> and then 
one of the scents, I guess, is a fresh, rainy thing. But there's this guy who comes in a pair of French doors carrying a bouquet of flowers. It's mm-hmm. raining outside, obviously, but he's wearing a wet shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's soaked. If it, yes, completely. He's completely soaked. So I don't, He's been I walking really, for miles in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> flowers that he's delivering to your doorstep. I can't. Yes, I don't know. I, that's I, I'm. I don't know what else to think when I see. You know, he's mostly naked there, so, or not mostly naked. He's he's yeah. clothed, but he's clothed in a way that you can see everything, which you could not do with a woman in this situation. You would you would see you you couldn't do that commercial. So why? Would you do it with a man, conversely? But anyway, to me, it was just, it was, and I couldn't figure out whether I was offended for for women or for men or for both. I'm offended for mankind or humankind, I should say. (laughs) Let's be non-gendered in how we refer to everybody. (laughs) I am truly offended for humankind because if, if you needed to be seduced by your home fragrance, really, we've just gone too far. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just... I, I mean, I understand, you know, every, you know, the the old adage is sex sells. I, I get it. And I, I understand that the the group that this is being advertised to is clearly women. Yeah. Women who, who want this kind of romance in their lives but don't have it but are going to go to the store and they're going to see a sale between Renews It and Glade plugins and are going to be like, oh, maybe that moment of, um, you know, that look that the lavender guy is giving or, or that idea of the romantic idea of the man walking miles in the rain to bring you fresh flowers um, – um, and showing up, you know, all sultry looking and soaking wet is is going to pop into your head as you're going to buy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I can't, I can't really, I, this is really hard for me. I, I love, I love talking about these things. Cause like I said, this is a big thing that I, ta- that I teach about, but I, I don't fall for any of this stuff as, no. as a consumer. So it's really hard for me to think about, oh, I'm going to think about this ad that had this like half naked guy on it when I go to buy home fragrance. Yeah. And I, I guess for me, I mean, I would just, I was just offended at the, the triviality mm-hmm. of the, the mindset that, that they were targeting, that the, the, the thought process they were targeting in women. Right. I mean, the, the tagline is having a man in every room is just a fantasy. Right. But instead, you could have a scent. Right. That's, that's, a, that's associated, thankfully, with a, a sultry-looking, seductive man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with, I mean, attractive men. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of a guy bringing me flowers. But it, it just seemed boiled down to... Um, uh, so shallow, right? So thin, exactly. And 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 there were so many, and I I didn't click further because I was na- nauseated enough from this commercial. Um, but it looked like from what what popped up on uh, YouTube is that there are individual commercials with each one of the guys. Um, I don't know whether they have made a commercial with every okay. single one of the scents, mm-hmm. but you can go on to the website and see the scent gents. Mm-hmm. And the commercial that I sent to you and that we've got linked is actually 
um, I, the shorter commercial. The, the, the one I originally saw was much longer, and it had um, two or three other gents in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it had sort of more... A, a, yeah, a couple more. ...story. Because I'm wondering if part of what's going on here, and, and, and I, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't really think of this as an, you know, an appealing commercial, because it is sexualizing men in a way that, you know, we're objecting to women being sexualized this way, and so I really don't understand why it's, you know, better or fun to do, you know, to do role role reversal, like you said. But I'm wondering if there's a level of sophistication they're trying to bring to this type of product, and and that this is how they think they're thinking about doing it. Well, I mean, that's that's even that's the same mistake, though, because it's hilarious, right? It's a it's a renews it scent cone, right, right. It's it's still and, a home air freshener. Exactly. <laughs> and the the idea also, I mean, you're showing the, the image of these guys that is also communicating to men that this is what women want. Right. And this is what is sexy. And this is, I mean, this is, this is, this is the same thing we talk about for, for images of women. You know, this is what you're supposed to look like. Okay. This is how you're supposed to seduce your woman. And, and to be honest with you, as much as it is nice to be brought flowers, that's not something that I'm you know, sitting at home wanting or thinking or, you know, fantasizing about, you know, I'm wanting, you know, the dishes done, (laughs) garbage taken out. And, you know, the practical applications of life sometimes are the most romantic things, but though, you know, kind of like our, our bounty commercial showed, you know, well, let me ask you this. Um, Number one, it almost sounds ridiculous to be trying to analyze a news at air freshener commercial, but the imagery is w- w- what we discussed before in commercials. Mm-hmm. They have 30 seconds or they have 60 right. seconds. And they are, they are experts, professionals, mm-hmm. gurus. Them, yep, getting them at across communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if it was outside of washing the dishes or anything, what to you is romantic? Oh, boy. Um, thoughtful gestures that are real you know, I, I like to read, right? And that's a, mm-hmm, that's a pretty mm-hmm. big thing for me. So a romantic gesture for me is someone finding a book that they think I might like and gifting it to me um, or gifting it, it so I can read it on my Kindle, you know, or gifting yeah. a game to me on Steam that um, is something that I talked about or mentioned, uh, remembering things that I've talked about and uh, following up with them, you know, oh, how did this go? How did that go? Real sort of conversations. The grand romantic gestures I can appreciate in a fantasy way. Um, like I said, walking miles, you know, in the rain with with flowers for you or that, you know, big romantic proposal or, you know, all the other things that you kind of see as what's classified or what's defined, but remembering who the person is that you're with and what they like and what they're interested in and what's important to them. That's far more romantic to me. Yeah. And what, what would you say? Um, I think that it's along the same vein with, with you, but, but for me, it's being surprised, um, whether or not that, you know, I come home and find a package that someone has sent me something. They just said, Oh, I saw this and just knew you had to have it. Um, not necessarily that it was something that I had mentioned or anything, but the idea immediately comes into my mind, oh my gosh, there was some point in time 
in the past few days, someone was thinking about me. Right, exactly. And they wanted to share this experience with me or this, you know, this, like I said, this book or this, you know, game, whatever it is, you know, they had that, that moment of, of wanting to include you in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's what's missing. I mean, I don't know how you would portray that in a commercial in 15 or 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, but I bet they could. I bet they could. They're if, just if, good at it. Yeah, if it was if it was a priority, but I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, we had a uh, sort of another smelly man commercial. <laughs> we did, even though it's not about fragrance. <laughs> no, no. It's it's about um guys playing a basketball game. Mhm. And by now, a lot of people have probably seen the commercial because there have been a few articles written about it, and it's, yeah. it's kind of made the rounds. It was pretty groundbreaking, so. Yeah. Um, but it's a Guinness beer commercial about a lot of guys playing basketball, uh, wheelchair basketball. Mm-hmm. And it is a rough and, and tumble game. I mean, they're they're going at it big mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And there's a high level of competition and a high level of competency among these guys as they're playing. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And at the end of the commercial, I I don't think that we have to announce spoilers, (laughs) but um, all the guys get up out of the wheelchairs except one. Right. And they all go have a beer. And so it's just talking about loyalty and camaraderie and sportsmanship. And you could have put... Men in that commercial, you could put women in that commercial, you could put children in that commercial. It's any demographic they were communicating the good things about humanness, right. about just being a good human being. Right, and the, and the efforts that people will go to in order to engage with their friends and to play on a level and just playing field. And see, to me, that is a lot like we were talking about at, in Romantic Gestures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the guy in the wheelchair. I, I take it the story that I see when I'm watching it. He loves basketball and his friends love him. Right. So, and also love basketball. And also love basketball. So what do you do to express that friendship? You play basketball with him. Exactly. And you make it so that it's something that everybody can do. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, did you ever see the documentary murder ball? I don't think so. I highly recommend any of the um, listeners or anybody, even if you're you're not a really big fan of of documentaries, this is a a really intense documentary about um, men who are in wheelchairs and that participate in high-intensity sports. Hmm. And I, I believe that it was all basketball, but it could have been, it could have been soccer or something like that, but it... Ooh, it was intense. Yeah. And the, uh, th- these are guys that could only uh, minister and commune with other guys like this. And they've put themselves out there and they've done it. They've, yeah. They, you know, other guys are in wheelchairs for the first time and they've got a place to go mm-hmm. to be with other guys. Well, it's, it's you know, it, it comes back to creating community. Yes. You either work to maintain the community you're in or you don't. And if you have a challenge like the commercial brings up where one of your friends is in a wheelchair but still wants to play basketball, you create a community that supports that. Yeah, and the the message from the commercial to me wasn't this is masculinity. Mm -hmm. It it was exactly what you said. This is community. This is community, right. And this is friendship and this is what it means to be friendship, to be friends and to be, you know, to prioritize your friendship in your life. So, yeah, I I don't don't think it's 
Yeah, I don't think it's difficult or outrageous to sit and and analyze these 30 second commercials. I mean that I mean think back at some of the commercials that have made you shed a tear or cry or or swoon, Oh, I got teary eyed at the Guinness commercial. This one, this yeah. Guinness commercial with the, you know, the basketball players and watching them sit around them, you know, have a Guinness afterward. Um and then I really wanted to go get a Guinness. So I guess they yes. do work sometimes. <laughs> But that's more because I have Irish blood and it, we're heading into the cold seasons, which is more yeah. when I'm apt to drink, you know, stout. <laughs> so yeah. that's just as much that. But it does it does make me remember. And then I think about Guinness in a different way. Like I'll never think about Renuza the same way again. <laughs> oh, no. No, it just makes me feel ridiculous and, and, and smarmy. Beer ads are, are notoriously horrible. Oh, yeah. And I have a print ad that a student brought in several years ago that I kept that I use in my, you know, in my class. And it's a it's a St. Pauli girl ad and it has the St. Pauli bottle um, shaped like a woman. Like so it's the the amber color of the of the beer. Um, but the beer bottle with, with the, you know, glistening, um, condensation on it. And instead of a face, she's got a foam head from the beer. So you can't actually see her face. Yeah. And it's just, and I, I look at that ad and every time I look at that ad and every time I bring it up in class, my students are just like, what is this? <laughs> what is it supposed <laughs> to be communicating? And I'm like, what do you think? Yeah. And then we have a really long discussion about what that's trying to get across and, you know, and and what it says. And, and they're just, uh, eesh, they're gross. So it's <laughs> really nice to know that there are some beer commercials out there that aren't gross. Yeah. <laughs> well, Listeners, if you've got any commercials that you need to bring to our attention or that you want us to talk about, you can check out our social media sites on our website, gameongirl.com. Send them our way, and we'd love to get them. I, I wasn't sure whether or not we were going to have enough commercials to talk about with every show, but yeah. I've, got a, I've got a backlog list right now. Yeah, I've got a few. I've, I've put my radar on for when I'm on Hulu Plus and a couple of commercials come on. And yeah, So there's some yeah. out there. But I we, never would have expected an air freshener, though. No, I, you know, the air freshener is, is kind of surprising. J- just the, the sexualization of the air freshener. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds like a meme to me. We ought to get a renews it meme. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Start posing it in uh, sultry ways. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this segment's over. Your home freshener is going to seduce you, and here's how. <laughs> Recently, I got an email from one of our listeners, Nathan, who wrote to tell us about his gaming experiences with his eight-year-old daughter and how the topics on the show have become all too relevant to him. So as he was gaming, his daughter likes to watch him as he plays on the Xbox. So for a while, she watched and observed what he was doing and then wanted to play on her own. So this is a quote from, from his letter that he sent us. For the past year, I have been playing co-op with her in as many games as I can, and she always has fun, and we we get to spend time together. I really never gave how to deal with interacting with the general population of the world a second thought. So then she decides she wants to play Minecraft on Xbox. Raw, (laughs) raw. And Xbox Live, so she's playing it in in an, you know, online environment. And Xbox is where um, Jenny Hanover 
had her online gaming issues, right? Yes, yes, from uh, Not in the Kitchen Anymore. Not in the, yeah. Yeah, which we've had on the show twice now to talk about the kind of harassment that she faces. And she's playing Call of Duty. So I, I think the Minecraft community is a little, just a little less intense yeah. than a first-person shooter community might be. But you're still opening up the opportunities to interact with everybody who's on the Xbox world. Live. Yeah, exactly. We mentioned before, I that is not an experience that I've had. Number one, I don't have an Xbox. I have a PlayStation. But also, I just I don't participate in the open world of the console mm-hmm. at all. So... I can't, I can't imagine. To me, th- this kind of blows up the skills a parent needs <laughs> to just exponential bounds. I mean, yeah, it, it's very similar, I think, to when parents had to deal with television. Right. And what they were going to let their kids watch. But, you know. How far do you let them get into Xbox Live? You know? Right. And, and and what does the community provide and what, what kinds of issues and challenges and, uh, you know, kind of go on in, in any kind of gaming online? And when you take your, your kids and I actually there was a comment and I think it was a former student of mine, actually, when I had posted about Jenny playing and his name was Micah and he said, you know, he completely forbids his student his students sorry little projection going on there um he (laughs) forbids his kids from playing any kind of xbox live game he won't let them in the community he won't let them on the headset he doesn't let them play he doesn't let any of that happen um because he knows the level of difficulty that they would face in that community and i think that Nathan had reservations about that. So how did how did things go when she got on? Well, um, he he tells us a couple of different stories in the email, um, and the first one was about um, like very obvious and very direct trolling that had happened. So this is another quote from his letter. She had someone come into her world and start burning her structures to the ground. I thought for sure she would decide she didn't want to play with people after this, but instead she decided she really wanted some online friends and to play with other kids. So he dealt with this by finding out. He didn't know at that point that she had created a, a world that was open to other people coming into it until the structures got burned down. Oh. Um, so he had learned that as as this sort of went. But what he taught her was that um, he went in and changed the setting so it was only people that she knew that could then access her world. So he went to the level of protecting her game experience that way. Um, and protecting her, you know, her assets and things like that from people who cause problems. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's an interesting choice on his part because, I mean, it could have just said, well, you know, you just need to get out of that game, play mm-hmm. something else, get off the community section. But, I, I mean, I feel like that he's building some strength in her. I agree. I, I um, wholeheartedly agree. And, and I think that backing yeah. off and saying, you know, I, I can understand the parental fantasy of of hoping that it would drive her away from it because yeah. <laughs> that takes the issue away. But it's so much stronger to say, let's deal with this and let's learn from these experiences than it is to say, let's not do this because it's annoying and bad and people are bad. Um, but let's learn from this experience instead. I think that's that's a very strong choice. Yeah, I mean, the parents protect from what I've seen, I, I, I've worked in youth 
quite a few years and you what you see are parents trying to prevent right their dodge yes yes Mm -hmm. from these challenges and then when their child gets old enough and really doesn't want to hear anything else you've got to say Mm -hmm. and wants to discover all of these things on their own then they're not prepared for the challenges of exactly you know, the problems these people put in front of right. them. You don't, they, they are such great learning opportunities and such a great time to take to say, this is how we deal with people when they're being like this, when they're being rude yeah. and they're doing this, when they're being inconsiderate, when they're trolling you. This is what we do to protect ourselves from this behavior. And I think that's a really strong move. I think that's, you know, I can't, I can't speak from the perspective of a parent and I don't want to like put myself in that place. But I think that's a really good thing to do as a parent. Let's let's deal with this straight on and and in a real way that is, as I wanted to find with the research, applicable to the world outside of gaming as much as it is to the Xbox Live community itself. Yeah, and I I love the way Nathan describes that community. This this was really well put. He says, I can say that from over two decades of gaming, the virtual yard is full of every type of person. There isn't some sort of invisible fence that's keeping the kids in one area and the teens in another and the adults somewhere else. I know that was so beautifully written. Like, yeah. just, it just absolutely. And I love the idea of the virtual yard. Like, you know, I and 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 I immediately got the, the vision of my grade school yard when he said yep. that and how we were segregated because the younger kids were mm-hmm. like the kindergarten kids had their own playground. You know, they were completely separate from everybody else. And then I think it was first, second, and third grade had their own yard. And then fourth, fifth, and sixth was on the complete opposite side of the school from us. So, you know, there wasn't, you know, grades, kindergarten through sixth grade, all in the same yard together. Right. So, but that's not what it's like online. No, it's not. And that goes back to the kind of television situation Mm -hmm. I was mentioning earlier. I mean, with a TV, you, you just don't know what's going to be in that show. And parents today have got a little bit better choice because they can um, DVR things or they can review them online first and then let their kids watch them. But still it's a one way interaction, right? You're not, you're not having messages or, um, people coming in and, you know, burning up the video in the middle of you watching it. Right. And so it just it really escalates things. Mm-hmm. And the curious thing to find out is, you know, besides the trolling in Minecraft, did Nathan have to deal with anything escalating for his eight-year-old daughter in Xbox? Yeah, and he absolutely did. And not, <sighs> you know, like I said, it, it's not to the level that we saw with Jenny, but... It's certainly along those same lines. This is when she went in to start playing within the first week of her playing Xbox Live Minecraft. Within the first week, she got an email, an in-game mail calling her a bitch, an eight-year-old girl. Um, I'm going to get like emotional over this, I think. <laughs> Do you want me to read them? No, no I got it. <laughs> okay. Within two weeks, she got a voicemail saying, I'll rape you, you stupid hoe. You always kill me in-game. And by the fourth week, he had one of her friends tell me, tell him he was a horrible father for allowing my daughter to be a hoe. Jeez. I mean, I just, I, I just can't believe it. You know, there's there. And I, and I realized when I was reading the email and I had gotten it from him 
and I was thinking about Jenny. Yeah. And I realized that in my analysis of her experiences, I could take a step back from it in a way because she is a very strong woman gamer yeah, who has yeah. put herself in a community that is notorious for trash talk. Although I don't think this is trash talk. This is just trash. Nah. Um, and And so I can step back and I can say there's a level of acknowledgement especially since she's done her not in the kitchen project for years she knows yeah. what she's getting herself into but to think about an eight-year-old girl who goes into a game that is virtual logo virtual legos right who goes into a world yeah. to create and to play and to imagine who wants to have friends who want to create and play and imagine with her and this is what happens and I mean, it, it sort of it sort of makes you speechless because as a parent trying to to imagine things as a father or a mother in this situation, I mean, what's your immediate reaction? I can't even imagine. Like if this were my daughter and she was being treated like this, I can't even imagine the. I mean, I'm having enough of an emotional reaction from a listener's email. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm trying to hold myself back from crying about this. Like, who does this? I mean, you don't know who you're talking to, and they don't know who you are. And so, yes, we have the internet fwad theory. That's you know the anonymity of the internet allows people to be jerks. So. Let me just ask a, a kind of a, in, a more in-depth sort of ignorant question about uh, the different reactions from a father's perspective and the reaction from a mother's perspective. Is there, is there a difference in the type of emotion that they're feeling or the type of reaction or response that, that a diff the different sexes have to this? I don't, I don't know. I, I would imagine to... to to a degree, I think for fathers, the feeling of needing to pre protect daughters is higher. Um, having been the only girl in my family and having three older brothers, um, that extended to my older brothers as well, where that sort of need and desire they had to protect me was pretty high. Um, and I, I think that's sort of a trait of masculinity that we assign to that relationship. Like and a good friend of mine from high school, when she went out on her first date with one of her boyfriends, her dad was literally like cleaning the shotgun that night. Yeah, you know when he came and like and not not like a cliche, but seriously like sitting in the living room with the shotgun, um, as he picked her up to take her out to dinner. You know, <laughs> so there is that that sort of stereotype, but but I think it goes to kind of that primal need to protect. And I, and I don't know if the same kind of relationship comes from the need to protect boys as much um, hmm. from fathers. I, I think that would be, for me, I think that would be more, you know, an interesting question as well to think about. Yeah. You know, would they feel the same if it was, I mean, it, the insults would be the same, right? Yes. If a boy, a boy, an eight-year-old boy, if he had an eight-year-old son that was playing with him. He would get called the same things. He would get called a bitch and a hoe and, you know, all those things. Those are what he would be called as well. Would we have the same reaction? Right, right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And the thing about it, it why I think that this letter that we got and the story, I'm so glad Nathan shared with us, is so important, is how dramatically the conversation changes when we talk about the gamer is an eight-year-old mm -hmm. instead of an adult. The whole idea is just to res treat other people respectfully and as, mm -hmm. as 
fellow human beings. And if you hear, if you hear us having trouble talking about this and coming up with our words, it's because it's, it's a little more inexplicable. It, it is. Yeah. Like, like you, you, I don't want to say this this way, but it's the only way that's occurring to me to say it. Like, like I said, you, you almost expect it in some situations, expect the behaviors or have been conditioned to expect them. And, but then you take it and you, and it's a child you're dealing with and that shifts your expectations because we, we think about treating kids differently, but we don't necessarily think about the fact that we should be treating everybody like we treat kids. Yeah. Oh no. I think that was very well put. Oh, that's good. That, that nailed it. Yeah. Okay, good. Really <laughs> so now Nathan's eight year old daughter is being called these horrible names. What does he do now? <laughs> does does yeah. he yank her off the Xbox live? And he doesn't, and I think that's great too. He he can he opens up a dialogue with her. Um, he, what he explained to us is he talks to her about what's happening, and he helps her deal with the fact that it isn't personal and it's not really aimed at her, even though we interpret it and we feel that way about it. Right. Um, the issues are not are with them and their behavior, and not with her behavior. And she, he wants to teach her to be a strong gamer, which we wholeheartedly yeah. support, especially as a gamer girl, and to stand up for people and call them out on their BS. And he said, but dear Lord, she's eight, almost nine, and she should be able to just play and enjoy herself. But then again, we all deserve to be able to play games without being assaulted constantly. Here, here. Seriously. I mean, I know that he knows that, you know, writing this to us... <laughs> Because this has certainly been a theme we've been continuing to come back to over the last few episodes from, you know, last 10 episodes or so. Um, it, it really is something that we need to address as a community. But he doesn't just make adjustments for her. No, he starts changing his own gaming as well. So he goes in and he starts playing as a female character. Um, he starts play- paying more attention to in-game dialogue and graphic representation of both male and female characters and paying way closer attention to how other gamers are behaving and how I am behaving and responding. So he really takes it on, he takes it personally and he is learning from it just as much as his daughter is. Well, I, I, I really don't know any way better he could be handling it because he's, he's creating a very, a very strong female person. Absolutely. And, and it's, and it's good to, you know, learning to stand up for yourself virtually or in, you know, the real world, such as it were, is they're important skills to have. Yeah. And, and there's, there's only, <clears throat> there's only so much he can do anyway. He, and all of his efforts can be put into her mm-hmm. because there's, he's never going to be able to do anything about right. those other people on Xbox. Line. Right. Exactly. He's just not. Yep. Um, there's, there's no way to change anybody's behavior. You can be a good gamer and you could be a, a very good and respectful player in the community. Be, and right. you know, when you somebody's bad, call them out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, Absolutely. um, all of his efforts can, can just go into her. Right. And, and I think those are, are really important. They're really important lessons just in general, um, and dealing with rude people is something that you're always going to have to deal with, that everybody yeah. has to deal with. And the sooner you learn ha- strategies or tactics for dealing with people who are dumb, <laughs> yeah. ill-behaved, uh, the better. So, Well, the last thing that he talked about doing, uh, it, was a, it was a last-minute suggestion, and I thought this might be 
somewhere where we could have a discussion, but he mm-hmm. said he was thinking about coming up with game analysis, analysis scheme right. where they will um, analyze games and write a report on them. And that, I mean, not quite sure what all they want to cover, whether or not they're wanting to talk just about gender or whether they were just wanting to talk about um, not just the general. qualities of a game, mm-hmm. but, you know, how you play in or whatever. But he, what type of questions, if we were to concentrate on the gender and community issues, what kind of questions do you think would be good when analyzing a game? Well, I think one of the things he said he's already observing is the gender-specific language you yeah. know, how, how gender is treated word-wise in the game, you know, how the characters are speaking about gender um, and gendered characters, you know, is there a difference? That was actually um, one of the most fascinating things about Fallout is you choose to be male or female avatar in Fallout and the language changes. Um, so when you choose to be a female avatar, all of a sudden everybody's calling you sweetie and honey. Ugh. But they're not doing that when you're a boy avatar. So it's really interesting. So there are some observations you can take from that. Um, what kinds of characters are there in the game? What do they look like? Female characters, male characters, how are they treated? What kinds of actions are they capable of? Do we yeah. see equality between them? Or is there a limit to these kinds of characters are female and these kinds of characters are male? Um, and then, yeah, looking at looking at these kinds of questions, are there respectful presentations of male and female characters? Are there respectful stories? Yeah, because just because the protagonist of the game happens to be male doesn't mean that game's bad. Right, right. It, it's how the, you know, the character and the story and the stereotypes are driven. Mm-hmm. And I'm not and, sure because he doesn't mention what other games he's playing. Minecraft doesn't have a whole lot of um, gendered stuff as far as I can tell. Um, I haven't played it. I just, I've seen many screenshots and some videos of it and seen a lot of people playing it. I know it's very popular. Yeah. Um, so, I, but I know it's not, it's not a character driven game. So having that kind of discussion about that probably wouldn't be, you'd have to have the discussion about how the characters or how people build the things they build in their world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to kind of adapt it for whatever different kinds of games you're looking at as well. There's, there's, a slight bit of subtlety, which would be a little bit harder um, unless you're pl- you're actually participating in an, an MMO where there are tons of people around. But like we've kind of seen with World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. you, could, you can ask whether or not the game promotes or facilitates right. uh, disrespectful behavior. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we can say that about Call of Duty as well in terms yeah. of not just the game itself, but how the players interact in the game. Yeah. So lots of opportunities, especially in terms of, you know, having an online community, playing online with, you know, your young children and learning and teaching and experiencing all that our virtual playground has to offer. Yeah, I, I hope that... Um, the, the quotes were, were strong enough to get us through this segment because I had, I had a lot of, I had a lot of trouble articulating, but Nathan didn't. No. And we re- really appreciate Nathan's letter and uh, the strong female gamer that he's, he's developing. And we're just so glad that you brought the discussion to us and made us aware about how our gaming community is improving. Right. And, and, ways that we can we can even be more 
attentive as gamers. And I'd like to put a call out to our other listeners who are parents who have kids who game. And if you have other tactics or other approaches for dealing with these kinds of situations, we would love to hear from you. And we'd love to get you hooked up with Nate so you guys can talk and maybe get a group of some kind together um, for parents who are dealing with young children who want to play online. Because I think that, I think we can all learn from Nate and his example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of us as gamers in general, but as parents as well. Um, but I'd love to hear other approaches that parents have for dealing with these kinds of situations and messages and interactions. So please, you know, get in contact with us, drop us a line, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, pass all that information on. Well, we're going to wrap up our week in geek. Regina, what have you been watching this week? Um, Well, the third season of Walking Dead became available on Netflix, which I hadn't seen. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Uh, Yeah, it's the prison when they find the prison and deal with, uh, is it Woodbury? Yeah. The other town. Yeah. Um, I, I will just say that I watched all of the episodes... I got stuck in one more episode syndrome. Oh, yeah. On a Sunday. And so I spent a good chunk of the day watching episodes. But I watched them. I think it was like over three days. I watched the whole the whole season. Oh, you watched the whole season? Oh, yeah. Oh, I watched, no, I, I'm done. I'm caught up. I know it, st- it starts up again in the next few days. And so oh, okay. I'm, I'm caught up. But I don't have cable, so I have no way to watch it. But, um, but I'm caught. I watched the whole season, and I had many dreams of zombies. Uh, <laughs> After watching that show so many in a in a row, <laughs> um, but it's a great season. Um, it's really interesting. I actually I'll ask you this question because you watch The Walking Dead, right? You see, yeah, oh, yes, yeah. Okay. Do you have moments where you can see the graphic novel? Like, oh yeah, like where I can see. I haven't read the graphic novels. I actually have the first two um, volumes, but I haven't read them. But I swear sometimes with how they frame the shots, I'm like, that's a graphic novel shot. Yeah. That's a graphic novel shot. Like, you can just see how they, like, completely, like, transported it from one to the other, from one medium to the other. Yeah, I think that I probably don't notice it as much. Mm -hmm. But I think I started noticing it um, most when M. Night Shyamalan came out with the movie Unbreakable. Oh, that entire film is filmed like a graphic novel. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the the subtleties, I think, for most films, you miss it. But it's a really good observation about The Walking Dead. Yeah, I just had I just had those uh, several moments. I, I had had them before in the earlier seasons, but I had so many during season three. I maybe because I watched it so intensely, but. Um, I was just like, wow, that, that is, that's a graphic novel mm-hmm. shot. That's a graphic, like just the angles and the framing. And I really like that. I really like that they were able to kind of keep that continuity because it really, yeah. it really brings a, um, authentic flavor to it that I think it might've, it could have missed if it had been directed differently. So, yeah. So what are, what have you been watching? Well, I've been waiting with very anxious and bated breath for American Horror Story Coven. Um, have you watched any of them? I haven't watched any of them. No, I've, I've heard really good things about them. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what it is about them because it's one of those things where you either like it or you don't Mm -hmm. and you either watch it and you're like, that's just too weird. Right. Kind of like, um, um, 
I haven't watched it, but I know a lot of people who have. I it, I equate it to Twin Peaks a little bit. Yes, yes. That kind of I don't I don't know what. That's a good example. Genre you would call any of that, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's my that's my in my head at least it equates to that, which I never really got into when it was out. So David Lynch is just kind of odd bird. Yeah. Well, I think one of the thrills about the American Horror Story each season that I love is that they change the story right. um, every season. This is not a renewal of the same story continuing on and right. on. It like completes and the season is one story. Yep. Yeah. Completely finished. But a lot of the same actors will come back. Not always, but a lot of them do. And that to me is very exciting. Mm. I, I don't know why, but I love seeing what they're going to do next and seeing them molded and changed into other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the very first season, there was a young male actor who played a psychopath. And in the second season, he was a victim. Mm. In the first season, the father was just a very broken, messed up guy who just couldn't get anything right. And in the second season, he's a psychopath. Mm. And there's to watch those actors be stretched like that and be able to play out the entirely different characters and sell me on it as mm-hmm. an entirely different thing. That's tough. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're not- used to seeing somebody as a certain character. Yeah. Flipping but it's that. very exciting. Yeah. Um, it's very exciting to see Kathy Bates coming on this season. Um, and again, the, the opening of the, sh- of the show, I was sitting there and I'm like, this is too much, isn't it? It's, this is, I, I can't believe they're doing this, but it is the American <laughs> horror story. Right. Yeah. Which is probably there, one of the reasons why I haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah. There are no subtleties. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. There are no subtleties. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty horrible. Um, they do weave a tale, but they are doing one thing with one of the witches. Each of the witches ha- have a different power, uh-huh. and one of the witches has a power that I feel like that somewhere around two a.m. when they were all drunk trying to figure out fill fill in some of the plot holes, mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, what about if we let her do this?" <laughs> and that should have been tossed out the next day, and they didn't. <laughs> So, yeah. I, I have you watched Angel? What the TV series? Yeah, the TV series. The old oh TV yeah, series. yeah. Okay, so my my friend Emily told me when I started watching, and she's like, "Oh, season five is awesome because uh, Joss knew it was going to be canceled, so he took every idea he had ever had and not produced and threw it into Angel <laughs> season five. <laughs> and if you watch Angel season five with that in mind, and you see the puppet episode, you're like, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Anyway, yeah, they I I. I don't know what they can do with it, with this one thing to redeem it, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of, it kind of threw it for me and I was just sitting there going, really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. What are you going to do with this? Yeah, I, exactly. What's going to so, happen here? Yep. But I was still excited. And overall, I mean, as always, the production value is great. Jessica Lang is unbelievable. I love that this has renewed her career mm-hmm. and, um, and the other actresses on the show and the, uh, the actors uh, just Wonderful storytelling. Awesome. Very excited. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what have you been reading? <laughs> <laughs> I love telling 
vision. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I've been reading, I'm continuing with The House of Night um, in an anticipation of the new book that's coming out next week um, that I won't be picking up until after I've reread everything else. Um, but I finished book eight last night. And so I have, I think wow. it's uh, Awakened um, is, I think it's book eight, it's either seven or eight. And so I have two more to read before I get to the one that just is just about to come out. Um, so, and I guess that the one that's about to be released is the pen ultimate. So it's the one before the last one. So apparently it is going to be wow. coming to an end, but, um, that, you know, it's popcorn reading. <laughs> it's so easy to fall into and so engaging. Um, so yeah. And a lot at the end of awakened, there's a lots of secrets that have been revealed that had been kept hidden um throughout like the last two books and so it's it's a really it's a really interesting place to be right now so and then there's a very big tragedy that happens at the end of it too so yeah it's fun you need to read it Rhonda then you can you can I I should start dealing them to you oh there you go (laughs) so we're good at that (laughs) I am good at that I am I am my friends call me the gateway drug um, yeah. The entertainment gateway drug because I always get people turned on to different games or TV shows or different things, and I always have the best recommendations. So, yep. So, what are you reading? Um, well, I just finished Mouse by Art Spiegelman. I wrote um, my bachelor's thesis on Mouse. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't put it down. I yeah. just I couldn't stop reading it. Is it the first time that you read it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That, that was, um, that was just a, a a real treasure that, and I think I mentioned last week, fun home is the same way. Mm -hmm. It's just a, a wonderful display of what a graphic novel can be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, That's part of what I was writing about was using graphic novels as a means of historical instruction. So, yeah. And I tell you what, it's, there, there were there were a couple of moments where I just stopped, and you could not have betrayed what he did in that book any more vividly mm-hmm. or horrifically, right? If you had if you had done a film, yeah, oh, absolutely. It's it's one of the most moving pieces of artwork, yeah, because it really transcends literature and graphic novels and all that in terms of yeah. the emotion and everything that comes out of it. You know, there's a second part too, right? What do you mean? There's two. There's one and two. Oh, I got the whole thing. You got the whole thing as one. Okay, when I got it, I I had two separate books for the whole thing, so. No, I got the entire whole thing. Nice. Very nice. Yes, very nice. Mine still has all my notes in it, actually, from when I was writing about it. It still has all my my (laughs) post-its. I can definitely see reading that again. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, I started um, the second book of the Dresden Files uh, by Jim Butcher, called full moon i i needed something light (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh geez i took a whole entire class on the holocaust when i was in doing my bachelor's degree and that was the most depressing quarter of my entire life yeah so hard it was so hard I signed up for um, an online Holocaust course, and I didn't get I get, didn't get to take it. I'm hoping to to be able to take it next year. I've yeah. I've got this. I, I guess it's a disconnect, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, don't want to get into a huge deep subject, but I I have this disconnect with trying to understand genocide. Mm. And I read several books about the um, the genocides in Rwanda. Mm, yeah, I just could not 
wrap my brain around it. Yeah, that one was in in particular was difficult. I've I've read some about that as well and watched several documentaries and yeah, I, it's it's big stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I guess I'm glad my brain doesn't wrap around it, but at the same time, um, I'll have to look up the title and, mm-hmm. and give the title next time of the book I read because it was so perfect. Uh, way of telling the story about how things unfolded mm-hmm. and just seeing what the patterns are. It's it's very yeah. important historically. Yeah, that's the that's always the thing looking for patterns. Yeah. Well, I'm not playing anything new. I I don't even know why I I uh, should get credit for playing <laughs> games at all. I I am playing Plants vs Zombies, but right. unfortunately, it's all I've got time for. Are you playing anything right now? Um, I tried Spelunky. Oh, wow. Uh, which is a side scroller um, that is on Steam, and I had been gifted by a friend. And I, I didn't play it for very long. I think I played maybe less than half an hour. I got almost to the very end of the tutorial, and then I, I died three times in the same spot. And I had to keep doing the same level over and over again, and I just got to that gamer frustration thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I had to I had to step away from it. Um but it's really interesting because Spelunky and there was a game that I played at PAX Prime that was called Beat Buddy and I'm usually mm-hmm. as as we've discussed I'm not I'm not really a console gamer. And so I played Beat Buddy on uh you know on a console or with a console controller. I don't actually know if it was on a console when I was at PAX and it was really fluid and really easy to do because it's a side scroller as well. Um, and I think part of my problem is that I need to play Spelunky on a controller as well, because uh, I think there are just some games that don't lend themselves to the keyboard in the same way that, you know, the majority of the games that I played in the last 10 years have been on yeah. the PC. So I'm very, you know, adept with controls on the PC, but sometimes it just doesn't. And those side scrollers are just killing me on. <laughs> yeah, I can see that on that. So, so I, I need to get a controller for my computer that I can, that I can use, um, and play because I was just like, you know, I had to run and jump and you have to hold like three different buttons down with like your fingers in mm. these like really awkward positions in order no, to get it to kind it. of do things. And I was like, I'm done with this for now. <laughs> yeah. It was a great game. It looks really fun and it looks like it's going to be fun to play, but I have to get it so I can have a controller, which is something I never thought I would say. Yeah, I, I know. I'm kind of sitting here going, really? It just goes completely against like all of my gaming experience. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, this is a really fascinating. It's funny because I've been thinking a lot about Diablo 2. Oh. Um, yeah, I was I was recently writing um, a piece and I was describing a, a battle that I remember having in Diablo 2. And I was like, oh, man, I want to do that again. That was so much fun. And I've, I actually went out looking around to, to find a copy because I don't have one on the my new computer. And it's like, oh. Oh, I'd love to go through that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. That's and I remember having trouble because of the keyboard playing mm-hmm. uh, with the keyboard but I mean that's the only way you play that game yeah exactly exactly well we'd love to hear any recommendations that you have for how you're geeking out you can send them to us through all of our social media sites on gameongirl.com you've been listening to Game on Girl I'm the co-host Rhonda Oglesby you can follow me on Twitter at rowroom that's R-H-O R-H-O-O-M or email Rhonda at gameongirl.com and I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and Steam. 
I have a, a really quick announcement I want to make. A friend of Game On Girl, Lynn Hogan, has started her own game company. That, oh, cool. I know. Isn't that awesome? I'm so excited for her. Um, She had been on, oh, God, I think it was like episode 30-something. Wow. So it's been it's been a while since she's been on the show. But she's been a fan, and we've been in touch. And um, so she sent me a message and let me know that they had, that the game company is called Fat Loot Games. And they're kickstarting their first game, Monster Stacker. And it's a physics-based stacking puzzle game. Now, the art is fantastic. Lynn is an artist, and I'm pretty sure it was probably had quite hand in the artwork for it. So the art is fantastic. And looking at the gameplay, because I watched the video on Kickstarter, um, it reminds me a little of one of my all-time favorite physics games, which is World of Goo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you have different monsters that you have to stack, and you kind of they kind of have Tetra shapes to them, but they also have different textures. So some of them are icy, and they slip and slide, and so there's a lot of different sort of physics uh, things to keep in. Yeah, it looks really cool. So check it out. The Kickstarter is, is available until November 1st, so you can support it until November 1st. Um, we love indie games, so we'd love for you guys to go support them. So give them, give them, check them out. Um, I think the support start at like you can bid at like two dollars or you can support Ooh. them with a bid as small as two dollars so yeah. go and check them out and uh and uh kickstart them let's let's get them going for fat loot games and monster stacker i'll have links to them on the site and we've been announcing this the last couple of episodes but game on girls hosting not one but two groups for extra life Extra Life East and Extra Life West uh, for Game on Girl. Our event will be November 9th, and we'd love your support. So please make sure to check out the links on the homepage for our teams and come support me and Rhonda as we raise money for our local children's hospitals. Episodes of Game on Girl are, are available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. We also have an app for download from Podbean available for iOS users. These links, along with the description of the show, can be found on our website, gameongirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on! Game on!